Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Praise God. Judges chapter 7. The title of my message this morning is The Power of Listening. The Power of Listening. I was going to title it, If Only I'd Listen, but then I thought it sounds a bit negative. So The Power of Listening, because I want to talk to you about what I believe is one of the most crucial things in our Christian walk we can do, and that is to listen to God. To listen to God. How many of you know that sometimes in our lives you wish you'd listen to someone or your parents? I, I remember my parents used to say to me, when you grow up, you'll, you'll wish you'd have listened. What I'm telling you, and, and I learned later on that actually I wish I'd have listened to my mum. I wish I'd have listened to my dad. Uh, just, just the other week, I, if some of you remember, Mark Marx came here. Uh, we had a great time. And after the service, he ministered in the two services. I jumped straight in the car and I had to take him to Stansted Airport. Let me tell you, there were some miracles and, 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 and healings taking place here, but the greater miracle for me was getting into Stansted Airport that day. I got in the car with him. One of the things Mark said to me, he said, uh, he's, he, he was teaching me, he said, I'm starting to learn how to power nap to make sure I get plenty of energy for all the ministry I do across the world. And I like the sound of power. Who likes a power nap? I've been trying this out. I just can't wake up. And so he jumped in the car. We were driving down the M11. And, uh, and he said, do you mind if I just have a quick power nap? I said, you can do whatever you like. So he had a power nap. I was there all on my own in the car while he was sleeping for about 10 minutes. And, and I was listening to the sat-nav. And as I went down the sat-nav on the M11, the, the road was clear. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the sat-nav told me to get off the motorway, the M11. And um, I thought, well, should I get off it? Normally, you know, you stick on the M11, it takes you straight to Stansted Airport. So I jumps off the motorway and I get down to this roundabout. Then I realized that, that it's taking me on a completely different route away from the M11. And so I went round the roundabout a few times, but it didn't matter because Mark was asleep. You know, he didn't see any of this. So I was driving around the roundabout. You know, you know when you do that, trying to make a decision of what you're going to do? I thought, well, he'll not know. He's asleep. And, and I was driving around the roundabout, and I thought, do you know what? Why on earth would it tell me to get off the M11? The M11 was clear. I've just pulled off for no reason. So I, I jumped back on the M11. I thought, I'm going to show you, Satnav. I'm, I'm with Mark Marks. I mean, what else could go wrong? You've got this guy in the car with you. So, so I pulled back on the motorway. He's still there. He wasn't snoring, by the way. He was sleeping. And I pulled back on the M11 and I started to drive. And then, have you ever had this where you, you realize that I just wish I'd listened? Because if you've been on the M11, the, the, there's past so many junctions, I think it's Saffron Walden, you can't get back off. And so I, I, I missed every opportunity. And I went around the bend and realized that there was a huge queue of traffic. I just didn't check the sat-nav. I thought I knew best. And sometimes in our lives, we can be like that. We can wish we listened to something that knows better in advance of where we are. And you know, God knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He knows where you're going in your life. He knows everything. And, and, and if you in your, in your life right now are wondering, I've got to make decisions or I'm choosing to do things. Let me tell you, the best thing you can do is listen to the Lord. Is listen to Him. Is listen to the Lord. We're going to be reading in, in Judges chapter 7, the story of a man in just a moment. We'll come to the scripture of Gideon. Of Gideon, someone who I believe 
learned how to, uh, and many people did in the Bible, learn how to listen to God. Listen to God when everything seemed against him. In Judges chapter 6, we read that the Israelites have fa- faced invasion from the Midianites. And so the Midianites are coming in. They're ravaging all the crops. They're destroying things. They're camping. He says they're putting their tents into, into, this, into the valley of Jezreel. They're putting all their tents and damaging all of the crops and their produce. Do you feel like sometimes in your life that the enemies just seems to be stealing from you? It seems to be coming in and, and, and almost everything that you've worked for, all of a sudden you're saying, God, why is it I'm in this season? And I seem to be losing things rather than gaining things. And they were in this situation where they had to fight the Midianites. And as we know, Gideon is called to do this. He has a visitation from an angel. The word of the Lord comes to him. And he has this instruction that he has to fight the Midianites. Now in Numbers chapter 31, earlier on, what we read is that Moses, he once dealt with the Midianites. It says that he, with 12,000 men, a thousand from each tribe, he tries to deal with the Midianites. And it looks like a success, but one thing he didn't do is he didn't kill the women and the children. So what happened is the problem was always still there. Uh, Do you find that in your life that actually that you can sometimes think that you've dealt with the problem, but actually you just left it there because you never wanted to fully deal with it? I want to encourage you sometimes when God gives you the authority to get rid of things and to destroy things, you've got to give it 100%. If you leave 10% there, it's going to creep back and bite you again. So Gideon right now, he has this thought in his mind that, you know, I've got to do what what Moses once attempted. He did it with 12,000 men. And we know that he counts his men and he's got 32,000 men. Wow. You think to yourself, if you're at this stage, well, I'm doing better than Moses. If he can do it on 12, I've got 32. If he did it like that, with 32, we're going to be able to deal with the problem here. But then God speaks to him, as you know. And we reach the chapter 7, just a bit earlier from where we're going to read. And God says this to him. He says, I want you to to cut down your men. You've got too many men. It's like, God, are you sure about this? Too many men? Start with 32,000 and surely we're going to need more than what Moses had. And so he says, God, you, you know, you, I, I need these people. And God says, no, you need to remove them. And then he says, I want you to ask the people, who's scared? And so they do. And they ask the people and straight away 22,000 people turn around and leave. Can I just say that the church in this season we're in right now, and as we move into an end time season of where things get more difficult, people are going to start turning from the faith. Their hearts will grow cold. They're not really, some of us, we can sing the songs. You can come here and you can sound like the best Christian ever. But the reality is when, when, when the rubber hits the road, where will you stand? 22,000 people turn around just because he says, who's scared? And then he's left with 10,000. Now he's thinking, wow, I'm 2,000 short of what Moses had. This is not good. And, and you think that God at this stage would kind of give him the Kind of give him the credit and say, you know, you can go with a 10. But then he says this, I want you to go a little bit further. I want you to strip back even more. You've got too many still. I want you to go down to the river and I want you to watch how these 10,000 men drink from the river. 
those who lap the water to their faces, there's going to be those, and there's going to be ones who look down to the water, they bow and get on their knees. The ones who lap that water to their face, they're the ones who are going to deliver. And then he does that, and we see this distinguishment of who the people are going to be who walk forward with Gideon to defeat the Midianites. And he's only left with 300. He's gone from 32,000 to 300. There's some of you right now, in your life, what's happening is God is stripping back. He's removing things that you put all your assurance in. He's he's stripping things back, removing things that you put your foundation in for your faith. Some of you right now are losing out financially. Some of you right now are saying, God, why is it that I've got to this place in my life? Everything was going good. I had 32,000 and now I got 300. Can I just say that when God strips back, he's ready to multiply. When God removes, he's ready to add. If you're saying right now and complaining about what you haven't got, I've got to tell you, when you're in that place, get ready for God to do something amazing. Hallelujah. Who's excited? Some of us don't like to be stripped back. We don't like that subtraction. But let me tell you, when God subtracts, he multiplies. Because he doesn't want us to rely on our own resource. He doesn't want us to rely on what we have. Gideon was stripped back. We're going to come to Judges chapter 7 verse 8. Because this is the point when he's gone through all that process with God. He's gone through all the process where the angel comes, God speaks to him and now he's stripped back and now he's at that point where he's got 300. The resources are low. Let me tell you as a church in this city, what we're doing with the resource we have is amazing. What God is doing through this church with the resource we have is amazing. Why? Because we don't rely, we don't just rely on resource, we rely on the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Now we need resource, so that doesn't mean you can't sign up to serve. But we rely on what he can do through us. Judges chapter 7 verse 8, we're going to read. This is when he's been stripped back. And now he's in a place where maybe some of you feel like right now today, where you've gone through the last month has been a hard month. Things have been hitting you hard. And you're saying, God, why have you allowed this? And now it says, verse 8, Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. It's the valley of Jezreel. And during that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura, and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as Locusts, their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given him, given the Midianites And the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, 
the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch, just after they changed the guard. They blew their trumpets, broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And while each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites... crying out as they fled when the 300 trumpets sounded the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords if you read that scripture and you read the verses we've just read when everything's depleted from Gideon there's one crucial thing I realize and that brings me to the title of the message again is that Gideon heard and listened to God When everything's stripped back from you, when everything seems to be going wrong, the one thing you have, and can I just say this to you? A lot of people say to me, you know, I need God to do this for me. I need a victory in this area. I need blessing in this area. Do you know there's one thing that you have that every person in the Bible had, and that is an ear to listen. So, you know, some of us, we don't realize that we have the same ability to hear God that they did. It's almost like we, we treat these people like Gideon and the, the people in the Bible like that, that they have this extra ability to hear God. But you know, today's a little bit different. The volume's turned down a bit. God is just not speaking the same way as he used to do. Some of you may hear across all denominations, the history of the church, people say, I heard God speak to me. I said to the other day that when I was making the, the title slide for, the, for this sermon, my son walked up. He said, what are you speaking on, Dad? I said, the power of listening. He said, what do you mean? I said that God speaks. He goes, well, I can't hear him speak at all. He says, well, he's, I can't hear anything. I said, he's speaking all the time. He says, well, I can't hear anything. You know, some people say they've heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God. If you have, well, bless you. Come on. But, but the reality is, whether you've heard the audible voice of God, or whatever you've heard, whichever way God is speaking to you, He is still speaking the same way as what He did in this book right now. He's speaking right now to you. And some of us think we, we haven't really got this ear to hear. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus said this. He said, if anyone has ears to hear, let them Hear. It's what Jesus was saying all the time. He was speaking in parables, but what he was trying to say is, you've got to get this. There is something on the inside of the people that I have chosen that get this. There's a receptor. There is a faith rising up that you get it, you hear it. And let me tell you, if you've got that ear to hear, and you hear what the Spirit is saying in this hour, in this church, in your life, you better value that with everything you have. Because listen, if we don't value it, our hearts become cold and stony. Then we begin to lose the volume. Not because God turned it down, it's because we turned it down. 
In, Lazarus, in the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11, Lazarus, I always think this, that when Jesus walks up to the tomb, he, had, he, he was a dead person. But yet it's the first thing that happened for him is he hears Jesus call him. How can a dead person hear Jesus? But when, when Jesus speaks, his voice travels down his, the canal of his ear. And let me tell you that God can speak to the people in this room today that are so far away from him. They're so dead in their sin. Doesn't matter where you are, what tomb you're in, he can still speak. And he can speak right through death. He can speak right through your situation. He can speak right down into your ear canal, no matter how much it's shut off. Why? Because he's God. He's your creator. So I want to tell you today, when Gideon heard this was something so valuable, it was more valuable than the armies that he could have had. What I'm trying to say to you is this, don't worry if everything seems to be falling apart around you in your life. If you've got the voice of God, if you have his voice, his spirit, and I'm not saying audible voice, I'm saying when you know that you know that you know. (laughs) <laughs> when, when you just know that God is, is speaking to you. Sometimes I think it's crazy, you know. We, we surrender our lives, to, but we just know, don't we? We know. You know what I mean if you know. You know that you know. You don't know why you know. But the Bible says he sets eternity in the hearts. If he sets eternity in our hearts, Ecclesiastes, then you just, you just don't understand it. You can't fathom it, but you know that you know that you know. He's his voice. You better value it. If everything's going wrong around you right now, your finances are depleting, things are happening, you're saying, I cannot believe this is happening to my marriage. I can't believe these things are happening in my life. Let me tell you, you have one thing to value. It's the voice of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. What do, what do we learn from Gideon here? So he's depleted resources. He's, got, he's stripped back. He's like we can be right now. What do you do... When you feel like this, you rely on his voice. Number one, what Gideon did is he didn't just listen. Because let me tell you, listen. Listening is not just hearing. You don't just, you don't just hear it. You have to act on it. <laughs> didn't the book of James tell us that? Don't just listen to the word. Come on. You've got to act on it. So obedience is part of the deal. It's interesting that Samuel who's believed to be the author of of Judges. But Samuel, who when he heard God's voice, and he starts to hear a voice that he's not so sure what that means, he goes to Eli the priest and says, I'm hearing this voice, and Eli keeps sending him back. Because let me tell you, Eli understood that you need to go back to the place where you heard it. Go back. Don't come to me. I'm not God. I might be a priest, but you need to go back. And he goes back to the place and he keeps listening. And then he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Have you, have you ever thought about this before? He was speaking. He already was speaking. But Samuel was ready now to act on what he wanted him to do. If you, if you continue reading, you'll see that it says that his voice went out to all of Israel. If we listen to God, we act on it, you will see God do what he wants to do in your life. Many people don't see God fulfill it because they don't act on it. And they're going around the same roundabout. Saying, I don't know why there's no sign. And he's saying, I told you to do what I said. But you didn't listen. Listen 
to God. Number one, Gideon obeyed God's assignment. He obeyed God's assignment. Judges chapter 7 verse 9, it says, During that night, remember this is the same night that he's just been depleted. So now he's been stripped back to 300 and now he gets the night. Have you ever noticed this? If you've had a bad day at work and something's gone wrong, have you ever noticed that nighttime always seems the worst? You, you worry about everything at night. And so he, he gets the night, you think, you'd think God would at least give him a week off to kind of contemplate with the fact that you've just been depleted. Try and come to terms and try and strategically work out in your head how you're going to do this. But God doesn't waste any time. In fact, he comes in right at the moment when he feels so low. And during the night, he wakes him up and says, get up. You've got to go down now. He's like, what? I've only just got to contemplate the fact that I've got 300. Moses had 12,000. Come on, Lord, give me a bit of time. I need to pray into this. I need to understand your wisdom in this. So many people praying into it. I need a month off of fasting to understand whether this is, is really the will of the Lord. No, get up now and go now, now. Are you sure? Yes, go now. And he gets up and now he has to contemplate. He hasn't had much time to think. He has to go because God doesn't wait, listen, for convenient times. God will never wait for a convenient time. Some of you right now, God is calling you to face some of the the things he's called you into. And he's saying, I need you to do it now. There's no time for a pause. I spoke to you prophetically. I told you to do it. You got to do it now. 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 Now is the time. Oh, but you don't understand. No, I said now. He doesn't wait for convenience. Why? Because he wants to show his glory through your life. God is calling people to act on what they hear. Let me encourage you. If you've been receiving prophetic words in 2019, God has been repeatedly speaking to you. I'm telling you, I really sense this. God wanted me to tell you today, it's time to act. Stop messing around. Believe God is going to come through for you. Stop trying to work it all out yourself. You're not going to get there because the ends will never meet because they never were supposed to meet. Hallelujah. Come on. God is calling you to act. What is it? 22,000 people left because of fear. Do you know what? That's the very thing that the devil wants to get you to do right now is to say, I can't do what God really wants me to do. I can't lay my life down the way he wants me. Yes, you can. Don't be one of the 22,000. Be one of, one of the 300 people. Say, I'm going to do this. Why? Because it's not about my strength. It's not about my zeal. It's about his strength and his faithfulness. Hallelujah. I can't rely on my zeal. I can't rely on my passion. All these things are good and a gift from the Lord. But let me tell you, you can't rely on that. I can't rely on how passionate I am. I could be as passionate as I want to be. But it's His strength. It's His strength that keeps me going. Hallelujah. Fear is holding you back. This is what happens. Jesus said this about the cost of following Him. The cost of what some of you in this room... Some of you right now, God is calling you to something bigger. In Luke chapter 14, verse 31 through to 33, Jesus says this. He gives an illustration. He says, 
Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? In other words, he's describing that when you consider the kingdom of God and giving up your life for Jesus, it's like the principle of you against 20,000 when you've only got 10. That's because the Bible tells us that the road we're on is a narrow road. And that the other road is wide and leads to destruction. Now the narrow road never looks so good. So you've got the 10,000. You've got to consider, can I defeat 20,000? Well, the odds are you can't on paper. But when you serve the Lord, it's a very different thing. Verse 32, it says, if he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off. And we'll ask for terms of peace. Verse 32 sounds a very good option. You know, I can't do this. 20,000, 10,000. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send, I'm gonna send a message that they're, far, they're, they're a long way off. I've got time here to, to kind of get out of this. And so I'm going to just say, you know, I, I want to be at peace with you. Jesus says this, verse 33. He says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Come on, there is so many churches today preaching the message that you know you can have everything and it's all about the blessing on Sunday. Listen to me, you have to give up everything you have. I mean, the blessing's great, the coffee's great here, but that's not why you serve Jesus. You don't serve Jesus to get a double shot and an extra one if it makes you a bit happy and to come here and sit here and be comfortable. Jesus says, when you follow me, Come on, let's preach the truth. When you follow me, it's like, it's like I'm asking you to, to fight against 20,000. You've only got 10,000. It looks impossible. And the temptation you'll have at this point, like Gideon would have, is when you hear Jesus say this to you, is I don't know if I can do that. I might just quit and turn around and give up. And I will, and I will have peace with the people in our country right now. I'll do what they want me to do and I'll enter into a peace agreement with them. Let me tell you, if you do that, you will never have peace in your heart. You'll never have peace. You'll never have peace. You, the devil wants to get you in a place where you say, I will have a peace agreement with political correctness. I'll have a peace agreement with the way that people do it in the world because it just makes my life easier. And I've got an opportunity. There are these long, I've got decision time. Listen to me. When God asks you to do something, it's time to say, no, I'm going to choose the 10,000. I'm going to choose the minimal. I'm going to choose it. Why? Because like Gideon did, I hear the voice of the Lord and there is a peace because Jesus says, I give a peace that not that the world gives. It's a different kind of peace. Amen. Hallelujah. So when he gives you the peace, you can look at 20,000. You can look at the army, the Midianites in the valley that were a sea like locusts. And, and they looked and there were so many they couldn't count them. But you say, no, 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 no. There's a peace. Because I heard the voice of the Lord. Proverbs 1.33 says this. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. You've got to make a decision. You've got to say, God... 
I'm going to act on it. I hear what you're saying and I know that it's never going to look easy. Listen to me. The best decisions you'll make for Jesus will be the hardest decisions. So many people saying, I understand this. They say, I have a peace about it because I, I, I really feel the Lord's giving me peace. Let me tell you, do you think that Gideon had a peace about it when he was woke up by an early alarm clock to tell him to get down into the valley with 300 people? Do you really think he had a peace? I think he was trembling inside. I think that when he said to everyone, is anyone in the 32,000 here fearful? Do you think that the, the remaining people that were there... The, 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 the remaining number after he said that, do you really think that the 10,000 that was left at that point were like, yeah, we're so bold? No, I believe that they fearfully chose to go into God's will because there's always a, an element of fear in faith. Do you think when Peter steps out of the boat, out of the boat onto the water, do you think that he didn't have any fear? I'm sure he did, but he had this understanding that if Jesus calls and I hear his voice, and that is Jesus, that I'm so scared, but yet I know, I know, I know, I know that this is going to happen. Hallelujah. Someone once said this: no decision is in itself a decision. <laughs> Sometimes when we make no decision, we say, oh, I'm in, in between. Listen, you've got to make a decision. I am going to obey. I'm going to listen to what God is asking me to do in 2020. It's time to get serious about God. It's time to get serious. I'm not just a church member. I'm not just a church attendee. It's time to get on fire for the Lord. Hallelujah. Yesterday, Reinhard Bonke, one of the most greatest evangelists. We had Billy Graham pass away recently. And Reinhard Bonke, after 60 years of ministry, you know, I remember that when we first set out in this church to go to the streets and minister on the streets, one of the first things we did is teach on a seven-week course, the Reinhard Bonnke Full Flame Evangelism course, teaching everyone to go out to the streets, and I'd never even been to the streets. I was telling people to go to the streets, and I'd not even done it. And we, we played his, his DVDs. Reinhard Bonnke, at the age of 10 years old, he hears the Holy Spirit speak to him. And tell him, you are going to preach to Africa. Wow. Ten years old. He hears the voice of the Lord. Listen, the same voice goes through generation after generation. It calls the young. It calls the old. He's calling you today. He's saying, what you have in your hand is going to change the world. Do you understand? And at 10 years old, Reinhard Bonnke receives this word and then a lady once came to him and prophesied over him and said she saw him in a dream and, and then he realizes this is God. And I'm so thankful that Reinhard Bonnke responded to the call. The question is, how many more Reinhard Bonkies are in this room? How many more people are there that God is trying to get through but you're driving around the same roundabout? It's time. To listen, it's time to act. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's the great hall of faith. You read it. The hall of faith that, that lists name after name after name after name. Of all the people that heard from the Lord, Gideon's one of them. Gideon made it into Hebrews 11. Do you know one of the, one of the, the, the most blessed things I, I do is when I, 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 when I do funerals and listening in funerals before, he's listening to the people give what they're going to say in their tributes about someone in the family who's died. And, and I go through and I listen to tell me all these amazing things. And I'm sat in my office listening, saying, wow, I never knew that about that person. Wow, that's amazing. 
It's amazing all the great things that people did sometimes come out after they're dead. You know, I don't know about you, but I'd love to, I'd love to attend my funeral and listen to the tributes. But then again, I'll be in heaven rejoicing. So you can enjoy all that. You have a sandwich together and you listen to the tributes. But listen, some of it, you'd hear what, you'd hear what you've never heard before. Why? Because people are truthful. They open up and realize what, what they had. And, and do you know what Hebrews chapter 11 is? It's an absolute blessing for you to read. If only Gideon could have read that that night. If only Gideon could have just said, hang on, I'll, I'll get up and get dressed in a moment. I just want to check my version app and read my Bible. I just want to check Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. If only he could have read it. If only he could have seen that his name was listed. That he was successful. But he couldn't see Hebrews 11. Do you know over your life there's a Hebrews 11? You know what I'm talking about. There is something that God can see written if only you'll listen. If only you'll listen and act. There is a Hebrews 11. There is a tribute to what you did. But you have to respond. You have to respond to God's call. Everyone mentioned in that hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. I encourage you to go and read it today. Everyone mentioned, listen, all had the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. And you're saying right now, well, good for them. You don't understand what it's like when I go to work on Monday morning and my boss is breathing down my throat and, and I've got all these pressures going on and I've got all these things I'm trying to juggle and I can't seem to, to get through a week. How can I hear the voice of the Lord? All of them people all had issues. All of them. Noah, he's mentioned there. He got drunk once, but yet he built a boat. Because he heard God's voice. God is calling to you to build things that are going to help people and save people. Ministries. He's calling you to build ministries that will help the orphans, will help to rescue people. You're going to be a boat. You're going to be like a Noah. But some of you are saying, I've got a problem with the drink. I, I can't. Maybe God wouldn't speak to me. Maybe this is not God's voice. Listen, if Noah can get drunk, but hear the voice of the Lord and build a boat, then you've got, you've got something good going for you. Abraham, he sees a nation. He sees a nation, but yet he's a, he's a person who lies about his own wife. Come on, if God can speak to someone who's used his mouth to lie, what can he do with you? Stop saying that your frailties are the thing that's stopping you hearing God's voice. I'm in a season where I'm in a desert, I can't hear him. You're not in a season of a desert. He's always speaking. you got Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. It says it all. In fact, prostitute is still mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. She's still given. She's not called Rahab. Rahab the prostitute. The tribute's there. She has prostituted herself, but yet she was able to hear God's voice and protect others. She was, she was prostituting herself, but yet she heard God's voice to protect the spies. Hallelujah. Listen, you can be in God's new Hebrews 11. You can be in that tribute. 
if you listen and heed to the call. I've put here that our inadequacy doesn't determine our capacity. Our capacity in what God wants to do. Stop looking at your inadequacies thinking that it's turning the volume down on God's voice. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul said this, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Wow. I want to tell you, however weak you feel right now, his power never changes. It doesn't change. Number two, Gideon. Gideon, he received God's encouragement. You know, some of us sometimes don't understand the power of encouragement. We don't understand the power of when someone encourages you in the season you're walking through right now. You know, you can, what, what we tend to do is we, we can get into this false view that actually Sundays are my kind of, I come into the kind of, I, come, I come, come into the oven to bake and this is where I feel really good and then I go away and then it all depletes my, I kind of like sink through the week and, and, and I'm not, I just need to get back to Sunday again. You've got to get rid of this mentality, people. Get rid of this mentality. You've got to understand that the, the that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you leave here, you are a walking oven. This is not the oven you come in to just have a little rise and feel good. This is a place to remind you, you are an oven. You are on fire for the Lord. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is inside of you. But some of us, what we do is we say, God, you really encouraged me. I I heard you speak to me. I had a prophetic word and I came on Sunday and then I'm walking through the week. And do you know what? Sometimes we, we play down the encouragers in our lives, the people around us. Do you know that God, if God has put his spirit on the inside of every one of us who, let me say today, who've given their lives to Jesus. If he's put his spirit inside of you, that means that when you speak to me, God is encouraging me through you. I've got to understand that that, that the body of Christ and that the church is just full of God. So when you speak to me and say, I want to encourage you, I've got a scripture for you. It's not Patrick telling me this. It's God speaking through him to say, you need to hear this because God's put it on my heart. You've got to understand that the encouragers around you are God speaking. And some of us are like, no, unless I hear it from Prophet Dingling from America... That doesn't mean you don't need to get your tickets for doing white. <laughs> Sign up. Doing white prophetic.eventbrite.co.uk. But listen to me. Some of us are thinking, we've got to hear it from a specific type of person that is, is so accurate. I've, I've heard their accuracy. Listen to me. Do you know what? I've heard some of the most accurate prophetic words from people in this church. Just so accurate. Sometimes they're more accurate than the ones I'm supposed to expect to be accurate. Why? Because God's in you. I believe God is in. If he's in you, then I've got, I've got ears for you to listen. Now, some of the things you might say might sound a bit weird. And so I'm going to dismiss some of the things. Especially if you say, thus saith the Lord. I don't need to hear, thus saith the Lord. you just got to be normal. I always say to people in training, people with the prophetic, stop being weird. Just keep this simple. Stop changing your voice. Stop changing your voice. No, you don't need to eat locusts and honey while you tell me this. It doesn't prove anything. Just be yourself. But listen to me. God will speak through people. Listen, this is what he did with Gideon here. Gideon has just had an angel visit him. He's just told him all these things. God has spoke to him and said, I'm doing this through you, Gideon. It's time to get up. You've got to go down. I'm going to give it into your hands. How much more do you need from God? An angel? 
a voice from the Lord. But then we read this in verse 10. He says this to him. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura. And listen, listen to what they are saying. God says this to him. Look, in other words, this is paraphrasing. I know you've had a message from the angel. I know you've had me tell, uh, tell you what to do and I'm giving you clear instructions and you, now you, you're going to do this. But can I just say, if you're scared still, here we see it, the fear. If you're still fearful, can you make sure you walk down into the valley with Pura, your servant? What does that tell you? It tells you that God, he really believes in people. He believes in friends around you. He believes in the congregation of believers. He believes in the body of Christ. He believes in individual members encouraging one another. That's why you've got to say it's time to get back into church and not give up meeting together. Because it's only when you're meeting together you're going to be encouraged. He says, listen, if you're scared, he doesn't say this. On your way down to the valley, if you're really scared... Make an altar or kind of fast for a bit and try and wait for my voice to come. He says, no, take Pura down with you. Take, take Pura. You watch what Pura, because Pura, he's full of God as well. He, he hears my voice. He's going to encourage you. He's going to encourage you. You watch what happens if you take Pura. Some of us, we dismiss the people around us because we're looking for the big attractional prophets. We're looking for God to do something amazing when he's put people around you. You just need a text message from someone tomorrow to tell you to keep pressing on. And that's God speaking. No, it's not. It's just they, they, they must know the problems. No, whether they know the problems or not, God gives them the wisdom to send the message at the right time. Just when you need it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go down with Pura. Do you know what? Pura is mentioned, his name's mentioned twice in that story that you've just read. Twice, but it's the only time in the whole Bible he's mentioned. He didn't even get on the list in Hebrews 11. He didn't get on the tribute list. Can I just say this to you? Let me just put this out to you. It makes me question and wonder whether God knew that if he didn't have a Pura, he wouldn't go down. And some people, listen to me, you've got to get this. Some of you right now, God is calling you, He's speaking to you to be purers to others. He's, he's calling you not to be a Gideon. He's called you to be a purer to encourage other people. And listen, the true encouragers and the true people that God chooses and aligns next to the Gideons are the ones who don't seek a mention. They're not looking to be mentioned. They're not looking to have their name listed on Facebook. They're not looking to have their name listed on social media as their success. They're not looking for a title in this church. They're not looking for a position in this church. All they want to do is do what God asks. Come on. God is looking for purers. He's looking for people. We'll encourage. Hallelujah. God is raising up, I believe, purers in this house. 
People who don't seek mention. But God says you are just as crucial in this whole thing. The cogs. The, you, know, you, you can't see that little cog. But it is, it's the very thing that's turning some of the big cogs. Come on. You've got to understand. You've got to be happy in your life to be a little cog sometimes. You've got to be happy. Oh, but now I want to be a big cog. If you want to be a big cog, that's when the devil's moved in. Let me tell you, if you want to be the big cog, that's when the devil's moving in. You should never want to seek it. You should let God shift you up. You know, I was so blessed yesterday. We were on Mill Road and we, we arrived there and we had this little spot outside a shop. And we'd been given a tiny spot. We had to reduce the size of the table because we were given this little spot to evangelize. We were only there a few minutes and a Muslim guy from just a few shops down comes up to us and says, Hey, do you want to move over to the other side? All of that building over there, that, that old snooker hall, I own it. So you can use that if you want. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, you, you can use all that space. We moved into a huge space. You see, we start off with nothing. But God will shift you up. He shifts the cogs. He moves you into the right position. You see, I believe that the purers in your life can be more instrumental than the prophets in your life. The purers in your life are going to be more instrumental. They're going to walk you through. Listen to me, get this. When Gideon is walking down into the valley of Jezreel, he's walking down into this, this, this sea, this army of people. And he's now walking down thinking, I've got 300 men to deal with this problem. This is just too scary. Pure. Imagine the conversation on the way down. Pure. I don't know if I can do this. You can. You can. You can do this. Listen to me. I've had prophetic words in the valleys that I've walked into recently. I've had prophetic words that have been so profound. They've been so beautiful. They've been so enriching for my life to give me confidence that God is going to be my victory. And I'm going to see a victory in the battle. And that I'm going to get through the valley. And I've had so many prophetic words. From all different people, people who are prophets, people who are just people in this church who don't see themselves as a prophet, they've encouraged me. And I've had all these things from prophetic ministry. But listen to me, you can have all the prophecies you want, but you need to walk into valleys with people sometimes. Prophecies don't walk down into the valley with you, purers do. You need your purers. You need those people that say, when you get down and it gets darker and darker and darker, that actually I can't do this, that the pure says, yes, you can. Because he reminds you. Some of you right now, you're not connected. You're not connected into the women's ministry. You're not connected into the men's ministry. You're not connected because you say, I don't want to become a member. I don't sign up to a church. You need to do it, not because the church asks you to, because God wants you to. Why? Because it's the only thing that's going to get you into the victory. Some of you, will you'll, you'll, you'll end up doing it a lone ranger and quitting. I meet so many people, they try to do it on their own and then they come back to me later on and say, I, you know, I, I realized I made a mistake. I was, I was driving around the wrong road, the wrong roundabout. Come on, you need to get plugged in to your purers. Hallelujah. See, no prophecy, no miracle that I've ever seen God do in this house could walk me into that valley. I needed people. People have supported me. I've had, I've had people 
Strengthen me through the valley. And I've had my pures. I want to just say to you today, you've got to listen. You've got to listen. The power of listening. You've got to hear what these people are saying to you because they are God speaking through them. Stop running around and flying to different countries trying to find a meeting that's got a prophetic meeting that God's going to give you the next instruction. Just realize that when you come here, your friend in Costa Coffee can give you a word that's going to encourage you. You don't have to fly to Florida. Save your money. Now I'd like to go to Florida and I'd like to go to all these places. But let me tell you. I, I know that these places, God moves in special ways. We get that. But listen, some of us, we've got to be very careful. We don't miss what God's put on our doorstep. Come on. The purers are not far away. They're always close. They're always close. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens Another, you got to get sharp. The only way you get sharp is hanging around the people who are a bit sharper than you. Oh, no, I don't like that. Because if I tell them that they're sharper than me, then it'll give them pride. No, you got to hang around people who you see that are sharper than you. They've got, I do it all the time. I hang around people that I know that are doing greater things than I do. Why? Not to try and be like them, but I just want to be sharpened. But some people, they're prepared to go blunt. Do you know, I, I, for years, I've got a set of knives I got as a wedding present. You know the block, knife block? I've never sharpened them ever since I got them. And every time I go to one of these kitchen shops, I see knife sharpeners. But I, if you're like me, I see it and I think, I'd love to get a knife sharpener to sharpen my knives, but I've got better things to spend my money on. Who wants to buy a knife sharp? I bought a knife sharpener today. I don't want to buy a knife. I think, I don't want to buy a knife sharpener. I'll just... Spend it on something else. And so I keep using the same blunt knives. They're getting blunter and blunter and blunter. Because I don't want to spend the money on it. But listen, some of us are like that. We're prepared to go blunt because we don't want to spend time with people. And get sharp. Come on, you got to get... Say, I'm going to get sharp for Jesus in 2020. And it's not because Jesus is getting any clearer. It's because I'm getting closer to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus, he's at, the, he's at the top of the transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, they see an amazing sight. They see this amazing thing. They're at their Sunday meeting. But remember, they had to go back down into the valley. Hang on, Jesus, we want to build a shelter up here. We want to stay here. No, we got to go down again. We got to go down again. And some of you right now, you've got to go down again. And listen, it says Jesus, he's just been transfigured. They've seen this holy moment. But it says on the way down, he instructed them. Because he understood that actually you've seen an amazing thing. You've seen all these great things. The Father speaking. You've seen me transfigured. But actually, you've got to learn what it is to walk in daily life back down the mountain. And I'm going to tell you as a person, now as a person, not as the transfigured Jesus. I'm going to show you now, this is what we've got to do. We've got to deal with a demon at the bottom of this mountain. There's a valley. There's a valley to deal with. People will walk you into the valleys when prophecies won't. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Paul says, encourage one another and build each other up. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 17, 
Paul says this, I urge you to be imitators of me. I urge you, be imitators of me. Finally, I come to my last point, and that is number three, that Gideon believed God's involvement. He believed God's involvement. Now, listen, God can tell you what he's going to do. You can have all the encouragement in the world that you're going to see the victory, the battle's won. But let me tell you, when the rubber hits the road and you arrive in the camp, here's the crucial moment. I am now stood in the place of my enemy. And I've, I've arrived here. And come on, let's just look at the verses here. What it says, as Gideon arrives, verse 13, Gideon arrived and just as a man was telling a friend his dream. Let me tell you, some of the best prophetic meetings are not always with the Christians. God will speak to you through the people at work sometimes. I had a dream. These are not the Christ- These are not the followers of God. These are the enemy. He's walked into the enemy camp. He was saying a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Look, he arrives here. The first thing he hears is, I mean, you think of this, a sea of people. Talk about divine appointments. This is, what, this is what you need to be reassured by. When you listen to God, if you listen to his timing, you'll walk into his timing. If you say in the night, this is not convenient, God's got lined up two men ready for you, so you're going to hear something that's going to change your life. Not now, God. Yes, now. Because I'm going to orchestrate it that out of all those sea of people, Two individuals are going to be talking right at the moment you arrive. And you have to listen to what they're saying. Because if you do, it's going to change your perception. So he arrives and he hears these, these enemies talking about the fact that, that, that Gideon is he, he's gonna, he's like a, a bread roll, barley loaf rolling into the camp and hitting a tent. And they see as Gideon. Sometimes, you know what? The enemy sees more about you than you do. Sometimes the enemy sees your identity more than you do. When Jesus arrived at the, 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 de- the demonic man in the, in the Gerasenes, when he arrives, what does the man say? He comes straight to Jesus and he realizes you're the son of God. You don't have to, listen, I say all the time, you don't have to look, look for demons. Demons manifest in the presence of the Lord. And so he arrives there. The, the, the enemy give this interpretation and, and this is what they recognize. And this is the point when he sees now. God is now showing his involvement in the valley. He's told me what he was going to do. He's put purer around me to encourage me to keep going into it. But now I'm here. He's showing me right in the midst of this valley. And it's so dark. It looks so overwhelming. There's 300 verses these. But right in the middle, two men are talking. These two men are giving me the information I need to know. These two men are telling me, this is amazing. I just got to listen. See, have you noticed, if you look at Gideon's life, he, he, he has an angel come, God speaks to him, he even puts out two fleeces. <laughs> come on, have you ever tried that, putting a fleece out? I once said, I said, God, 
I really need to know what I'm supposed to do. And there's a black squirrel that wanders in my garden. Make that black squirrel cross this garden to tell me yes or no, Lord. Come on, we've all been there. You know, you're waiting. I'm looking out the window waiting for that black squirrel to appear. I'll give it another five minutes. I'm sure it's hiding. Throw a stone out of the window. Try and get the thing to move. Because I want a yes. This, this black squirrel. Then a grey squirrel runs across. It's like, Lord, I'm sure that's dark grey. It's almost black. Come on. I'll take that. Turn the lights out. In fact, it's, it's definitely black. Listen. We've all done it. We've put the fleece out. He puts the fleeces out. He's got a word from the angel. He's got a word from the Lord. But now, he has to have a word from the enemy. Do you know what? No, a, a prophecy is never enough, is it? There's all, you always want another one. You want a squirrel, you want another one tomorrow. Because squirrels are not the answer. God is. And he'll always give you an element of faith. Whatever you're going through right now, he's saying, trust me. Trust me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. You can have all the prophecies. You can have all the purers around you. But there is always a crunch time when you have to believe God. Now the thing is this. What I find interesting is that if I was God... And I saw Gideon right this moment. I thought, I've got him there. I've got him in the valley. We made it. 300 men, he's really trusting me. Do you know what? I'd really want to lift him up. And I'd really want to say to him, I'd want to repeat through the enemy. I'd want to repeat through the enemy their vocabulary to say that, oh, I saw in a dream a mighty warrior coming. I want to see, I want to see that God is so kind enough and so loving enough, if he's God, that he will say, you know, Gideon, through these men, you're the mighty warrior. Repeat and confirm exactly the word that the angel said. You're a mighty warrior. But he gets there. And get this. The tent is literal because they had tents. But unfortunately... The description of Gideon is not a mighty warrior. He's a loaf of bread. How many of you feel like you get right to the point with God and you just want that final confirmation that God is going to, he's going to take you into this ministry. He's going to do this in your life and this is who you're going to be. And then someone says, I see you doing this, but, and they, they kind of give you a word and you think, can you just, can you just seek the Lord on that again? Because I was told before by another prophet, I'm going to be a mighty warrior. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to go around the world. Can you just seek the Lord on that again? Because you just said a loaf of bread. And barley. Because we know Gideon, he, had the, he used to grind the wheat. And wheat is better than barley. Barley, is, barley loaves are for the poor. So if you're going to call me a bread loaf, at least call me wheat bread. Not barley, you've gone right down on my list in this prophetic word. 
right there and then, he has this description. I brought a bread loaf in my taste. It's not, not necessarily barley, but we'll go with it. Sees a picture and he's hearing this prophetic word. Now this is it. This is the final word. This is the final word. You're a piece of bread. And you ain't coming down marching with your army of 300. You look so strong. No, you're tumbling down. Tumbling down. You're a piece of bread tumbling. Do you know why I believe God does this? Because he always wants to create faith. He always wants to operate in faith. And let me tell you, there are some people here today... And right now, God has got you to the point of no return. He's got you to the valley. It seems so dark. You're saying, God, are you going to do this now? And then you just see that God speaks to you and says, you're just a loaf of bread. Let me tell you, that's all you need to be. That's all you need to be. Oh, but God, I want to be the mighty warrior. Tell me I'm the mighty warrior. Tell me I'm going to get through this season. No, you're a loaf of bread. You always were, Phil. You always were a loaf of bread. Because when you're weak, Gideon, I'm strong. When you're barley... I'm stronger than wheat. I am so much better than what you want yourself to be. Trust me. Trust me with your life. And listen to me today. I want to just encourage you. Right now, some are walking through a season. You feel like your barley loaf. You feel like God has stripped you back. You feel like the word that you're carrying is I'm just this simple Barley loaf. Let me tell you what Jesus did in John chapter 6. He took five barley loaves in his hands and he distributed and fed 5,000 people. That's what you can do with barley. Not because the barley loaf was special. But it's because the hands of those that held it were far greater than the bread itself. You see, I, come on. I'm so thankful today that even though right now in my valley, I feel like a piece of bread. And come on, some of you, I hope you feel the same way. I've been asking the Lord, Lord help me in this situation. But right now I've come to understand all I got to be. Is this. <laughs> That's all I've got to be. Surrendered to him. Available to him. To say take me in your hands Lord. Carry me through. Because you can do great things through barley loaves. You can do great things. Some of you right now you need to leave this place today and say God I thank you. I feel like a barley loaf. Because I know what you're going to do next. I know what you do next. I know what you're going to do with my life. You're going to do something to me. You're going to listen to him. Listen to him. You see, I believe that Gideon, right there and then at that moment, maybe not, but I like to read into Scripture and think what things, people things might, might have thought. Gideon, 
in the previous chapter, in Judges chapter 6, when he had a visitation from the angel, the angel comes and says, you're a mighty warrior. This is the word, not a loaf of bread. You're a mighty warrior. So he gets the word. Do you know what he does then? He says, hang on there. I'm just going to go and get an offering. And he goes and gets some meat and some bread. And makes a broth and brings it out to the angel who's just given this word. And so he's responding to almost say thanks to the Lord for the word that's just been said. That even though I feel depleted, I know that I'm going to be fine because she said I'm a mighty warrior. So he gives this offering and he puts the bread. And the, the angel says put it on the rock. And so he puts the bread and he puts the meat and the broth onto the rock. And it says this, that the angel touched the, the rock with the staff that the angel was holding. And all of a sudden, a fire consumed the bread and the meat. And it all got consumed with fire. That's the end of the prophetic word for Gideon. He brings an offering and says, thank you for this. I believe in it. And then the angel touches the rock and this bread and meat get consumed by fire. It's the fire of God. And let me tell you something. I believe that when Gideon heard that word from the enemy, he thought this. Do you know what? I have just seen an angel with a staff touch my offering, touch what I brought. And it wasn't just left there. It was consumed by fire. And if God can consume my offering with fire, what will he do with my life? That is a living sacrifice to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you right now got to understand that when you feel like a barley loaf, you just got to understand that when God touches your life with his staff, he will consume you with fire. You don't just need to be a simple bit of bread. Psalm 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Lord, your staff, your direction, your shepherding, your voice, when it touches the bread of who I am, it consumes me with fire. It gives me hope. I don't need to rely on this. I rely on you. Hallelujah. Come on. If the team want to just come back. Whatever valley you're facing today, however dark it looks, if you feel like you're a loaf of bread, God's fire can touch you. It's all you've got to be. Available and offering to him. Ready and waiting, listening to what God wants to do. Hallelujah. It says this in verse 15 in Judges chapter 7. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, what did he do? He bowed down and worshipped. He's in the middle of a valley, but he bows down and he worships. Then he gets back up. He charges back up to the camp. He says, come on, guys. Come on, you you got to come with me. We're going to do this now. And they go back down 
into the valley. And he says, you've got to follow my instructions. You've got to get down there. In fact, we don't need a weapon. We don't need weapons. We just need to go down and you just need to blow your trumpets. That's all you've got to do. I had a word and I'm a barley loaf, but I like it. You just got to follow my instructions. When I say we got to do this, you got to blow the trumpets. You need to smash your lanterns. And all they had to do was this. And listen to this. It says that when they blew their trumpets. You see, I believe that Gideon understood that the sound that comes from heaven that he heard, the power of listening to God's voice. If you just listen to what God is doing, then you got to trust in the sound. You've got to trust in the sound that he makes. Because if he said we got to blow trumpets, when the sound comes, it's going to change our circumstance. You've got to understand that when God sets his fire on the inside of you, there's going to be a sound that comes from you. A trumpet sound in this end time season we live in. A sound that will change your circumstances and the things around you. Hallelujah. God, may that sound be like that trumpet sound. Doesn't matter how many things I've got, doesn't matter how much resource I got, I just need that sound to come from me. It comes from the fire of God within you. Hallelujah. Gideon, Gideon didn't need a weapon. He didn't need a weapon. He did not need a weapon. He just needed to listen. 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 So what you got today, you saying I ain't got, I need this, I need a weapon, I need, I need this to attack this problem. No, you just need to listen, listen. Listen to God. Everybody's got ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying. Hallelujah. Just the other day in our kitchen, we have a radio and I got an aerial and stuck up and the kids sometimes go near it and they knock the radio and I realized that the radio lost its reception. But I just had to go up and all I had to do was just knock the aerial just a tiny bit tiny little bit and all of a sudden it came clear again do you know some of you right now the enemy has come and tried to knock your aerial try to knock you out so your reception's gone poor but listen to me the radio station's always playing it never went off it never went off the fire never sleeps the fire never sleeps the voice of God never sleeps it never sleeps. It's never silent. It's always speaking from the throne room. Check your aerial. Give it a little knock back. Because God is starting to want to speak to people and starting to call people into seasons that are going to see great victory. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.